Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 NFT Podcast. I'm your host, VR1. This is what we do. Yo, we got a fun-filled show, yo. I told that we'll be back with Charlie Munger. I'll be looking at real estate, and we will finish with the psychology series, so let's see what we can learn. A lot of good pointers in our last episode as far as investing and how the market is moving, so let's see how this goes. Y'all ready? Rock out with me. Get your coffee, get your drinks, get comfortable, get ready to beat the market. It's the new intro, man, and it works every time. But let's go to Mr. Charlie Munger. Y'all ready? Let's rock and roll. Stall out before we hit there. If things really hit the fan over in Europe, well, we could push through there. But in the meantime, probably have five, ten dollars worth of price appreciation left in this move that we're seeing here. Let's take a quick look at the energy sector as well. Let's see if I can get that up. And uh, energy is the outperformer of the day. And let's see, I'm not seeing any, there we go. Energy is the outperformer of the day. And we can see ExxonMobil up 1%, Shell up 2%, BP up nearly as much. Really not a lot of red on this board. And some of the smaller players also feeling the love. Halliburton and Schlumberger, the oil service companies, those are each up 3%, guys. Uh, Jared, I also want to highlight Google, uh, some news headlines swirling around their cross-app tracking on Android phones. Can you give us any sense of whether or not the, the stock is moving off of that? Well, as we see here, the mega cap's under some pressure, but you might expect some of the names like Facebook to be responding negatively to the downside. Facebook was one of the uh, hardest hit, and this is, by the way, this is a max chart. You can see this is probably a monthly candle of Facebook, but I want to dial this back down to a one-year. Uh, when Facebook had to release its earnings, uh, we remember this huge plunge right here. That was due to the Apple iOS rejiggering, and that's basically the same thing. So if this is to hurt Facebook in a similar manner, I think it justifies uh, down 2.8%. We also saw some of the other streamers and uh, uh, companies that are dependent on internet advertising. Those took a hit as well. So all in all, we're looking at a pretty red day here. And I just want to go back to the S&P 500 so we can kind of chart where we are because we hit a critical threshold level earlier in the morning. This is a two-month candlestick chart. And uh, this was the breakdown level where we saw some acceleration to the downside a few sessions ago. We just fast the forward. meeting is being held at the Daily Journal's downtown Oh, and of course, they would put LA. a fucking it's advertisement. Rare... But I got defense. <laughs> Every time they do that bullshit, I fucking cancel it out. And you saw I let, I let the PBS News Hour get their, their commercials the in. So without further ado, let's go straight to L.A. to hear from Charlie Munger and Daily Journal President and CEO Jerry Saltzman. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Charlie, the floor is yours. The sole business of the meeting is to elect four directors, Munger, Conlon, hmm. Mary Jo Rodriguez, and John Frank. We have the proxies, we have the inspector of elections. 
everything here, that is now done. The, the Daily Journal's formal business is over. Now we're going to answer questions in the tradition that's come to both the Daily Journal and Berkshire Hathaway. So you're, you're on for the first question. CNBC, and I've been collecting shareholder questions. We'll go through as many as we can over this period. But uh, Charlie, Jerry, we wanted to start with questions that were very specific to the Daily Journal first. First question comes in from someone who asked to remain anonymous. But the first part of the question is, how does the Daily Journal plan to handle its investment portfolio after Charlie steps back? Charlie, I think you should answer that. Well, well, I'll handle it as long as we can, and when I'm gone or sufficiently impaired, we'll get somebody else to do it. Okay, the second question, second part of that question is, what are the reasons for Jerry and Peter Kaufman leaving the board? Well, we are going to have to make changes in the future uh, because our Jerry and I are so superannuated and uh, Peter didn't want to do it anymore and that's all we have to say. The next question comes in from Sarah Anderson. And again, these succession questions, we, I did receive several of them, so I just wanted to follow up with this one. She asks, what is the current Daily Journal's management succession plan and who will be in charge after Mr. Salzman's retirement? Hmm. Well, our long-term plan is to replace both Jerry and I because he's 83 and I'm 98. <laughs> so obviously we have a succession planning to do in the near future and we'll do it as fast as we can. The next question that comes in is from someone who says he's a concerned shareholder. His name is Frankie Lamb. He says, I noticed that our company is using margin debts to purchase overseas securities, and the overseas security is not reported in the SEC filing. As a shareholder, am I entitled to know what overseas security we own on margin? Thank you for taking my question. Well, the practice at Daily Journal and Berkshire is the same. We disclose what we have to under the rules because we don't want people to know what we're buying and selling. So we tell everybody what we have to under the rules and we, t and we keep it confidential until then. That's our system. This question comes in from Daniel Koenig. He says, I am a small retail shareholder from Austria and I have basically only one question. In the latest 10Q, our company stated that Journal Technologies serves 30 states in the United States. On the website and all the other older 10Q and 10Ks, it said that JT serves 42 states. I just wonder what is the reason for the decline? I'd appreciate any explanation. Jerry, you take that one. The reason for the decline to a certain degree is several years ago, we decided not to support a very old legacy system, which had a number of smaller agencies in addition to a number of larger agencies. And as, as we expected, the many of the smaller agencies decided 
not to go to our main system, which we call e-court, e-systems, e-probation, e-prosecutor, and e-public defender. And so that's the reason the decline in those numbers. And by the way, other software companies avoid obsoleting a system because they lose some business. But we want the, the customers to have the more, more, more modern system. A related follow-up question on that comes from Jim uh, Mitchell in Costa Mesa. He says, um, who are your principal competitors in supplying software to court systems? And do you have a guess as to who has what market share? Well, Journal Technologies has the big share, and uh, the rest is scattered. Not, uh, pardon me, I mean, Tyler Technologies has the big market share. Jim Hall writes in and says, Mr. Munger, I've been a shareholder of the Daily Journal for over 20 years and appreciate the quality of the management and the employees in developing the business. In the annual report, you noted that the prospects in software now seem especially interesting. Would you care to expound on that thought? Well, I'm glad to. What's interesting is that the courts of the world have been in the Stone Age and there's no reason where lawyers should go down through heavy traffic and wait for some little motion. It should all be done on Zoom and so forth. And the filing should be done electronically. And so the what there is a huge market for the automation of the courts, and it's early. That's the good news. It's a big market. The bad news is it's a slow, damn tough way to grind ahead in software because <laughs> joining me for a Yahoo Finance exclusive is Charlie Munger, chairman of the Daily Journal and vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. Charlie, nice to see you. Nice to see you. So a recent SEC filing, Charlie, uh, showed Berkshire Hathaway bought almost $1 billion worth of shares in Activision Blizzard before the buyout by Microsoft. Do you like that investment? <laughs> of course. Well, I don't pay much attention to that one, but, but, but uh, I think gaming is here to stay, if that's what you're talking about. 98 years old. I like Gabby yeah, Kotick a lot. I consider him one of, the, one of the reasonable people in that field. And I don't think he per personally tolerated a lot of crazy misbehavior either. Um, want to broaden that out and ask you a little bit about technology, Charlie, because Warren often talks about understanding your circle of competence. And Berkshire, it's has stayed away from tech for the most part, but you've had investments obviously in Apple and Verizon, BYD and Amazon with Greg Abel and, and Todd Combs and Ted Weschler at the helm. Tech is now about 45% of the portfolio. 
So is Berkshire shifting its strategy there? Well, I think Warren and I have come to tech like some newborn infant that's dragged there. We've had to come because, because reality has dragged us there. Reality. He's brutally honest. I like the way he speaks. That's true all over America. Tech is here to stay. And Berkshire's biggest investment, Charlie, is in Apple. Do you expect Apple to continue to outperform other big tech stocks? And what's the future of Apple look like to you? You've got inflation, potential regulation, maybe potential headwinds like that. Well, I think Apple is one of the strongest companies in the world. I judge the strength of the company based on how much the customers love it. And I've got zillions of friends who they'd almost part with their right arm before they'd part with their iPhone. That's a hugely powerful position to be in. And I think Apple is one of the strong companies and will stay a strong company. And I think it's ungodly well managed. Mm -hmm. I mentioned inflation, Charlie, and the stock market is, is down a bit this year, maybe because of inflation. Uh, also, the tensions in Russia and Ukraine. Maybe we'll get to that in a second. But I want to ask you specifically about inflation. Are we One looking second. at a prolonged decline um, in the markets because of inflation? Is inflation on the rise? And should we be concerned about it? Well, let me take that in the reverse order. Inflation is a very serious subject. You can argue it's the way democracies die. When democracy dies in Latin America, inflation is a big part of it. So it's a huge danger once you've got a populace that learns it can vote itself money. It, it, if you overdo it too much, you ruin your, your civilization a lot. And so, of course, it's a big, long-range danger. If you look at the Roman Republic, and even after they went to an empire with an absolute ruler, they inflated the currency steadily for hundreds of years. And eventually, the whole damn Roman Empire collapsed. So it's the biggest long-range danger we have, probably, apart from nuclear war. Is it something investors need to be worried about, specifically when it comes to growth stocks right now? Well, I think the safe assumption for an investor is that over the next 100 years, the currency is going to zero. That's my working hypothesis. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100 years, <laughs> zero. And I say wow. we're going to end today's well, show with that. That a different type of environment, won't Tune it? Tune back into our second segment. We'll be right back. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the VR1 NFT Podcast.